Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Today is July 10th and it's finally Financial Friday. That's right, folks. The John Nicholson is on the line with us today. Hit you with that tech news financial report. Welcome to the show, John. Happy to be here, man. I love this segment. I'm glad that you're carrying it forward, man. (laughs) Fun having you on. So before I just throw things at you, this is something you regularly study, right? This is something that you follow and track. I'm curious what's on your mind about it first. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The stock market's on a bit of a roller coaster. So, you know, it's. I, I feel like we'll have a Jobs Friday report that'll report 2 million jobs lost, and then we'll have like a 10% rally. So currently trying to make sense of the um, no-limit casino that is the market um, <laughs> is, you know, a bit fun. So, hey, look, Very oil's fun. not free today. So, hey, here we go. <laughs> they aren't paying you to take it, you mean? Yeah, that's... Oh. Uh, so tell me, tell me more about that. Let's dig into... Because the number, like the top headline on uh, Kramer's Mad Money website, it says uh, Kramer's week ahead. Big business is bouncing back and bouncing back with a vengeance. But yeah, to, to your point right there, the job loss numbers are going to continue to go up uh, based on everything I've seen. So Well, and it's the, the, the thing with the job numbers is you've got a case of they may not go up as much, but partly because remember that when people have chronic unemployment at a certain point, we basically that they, they fall out of that. They have search assume, fatigue. Yeah. Search fatigue. We assume they're not trying to find a job after what is it? 18 months or something. So that number is always a little squirrely and there's political fights. I would say as to always what the real unemployment number is. Um, so sometimes it, it can make more sense to look at some of the more, um, micro targets within that of like what's unemployment within you know specific sectors unemployment within or what's the total employment number doing within like certain age groups for instance um if you have too many um you know younger employees that are not finding jobs that can be concerning for longer term trends um or in you know if i think if you get youth unemployment of a 40 percent, we start to worry about revolutions or things so hmm. So dive a little bit deeper on surge fatigue and what that concept is, because I don't know that that's going to be familiar to everybody. Um, So the, again, so the, the number with unemployment, um, it makes an, uh, an assumption um, uh, that you're, you're trying to find a job during that period. Actively Um, seeking employment. uh, Yeah. Actively seeking employment. And part of it is you do, this is a real thing that you do want to age some people out of this, so to speak of like, okay, if someone's been unemployed for five years, are they really trying to find a job? Uh, maybe they're like my father and retired, um, unless playing call of duty and I don't know, watching movies is a job. Um, he's, you know, technically been unemployed for 10 years. So you don't want to include him in the number, obviously. Uh, maybe. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Your dad plays call of duty. Uh, yeah, no, he's a complete camper. I don't want to get into it. Uh, (laughs) Throwing some shade at him. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like if anyone's going to be playing video games all day, it should be me, but you know, this is the world we live in. (laughs) Well, but also so reasons like childcare, you may have individuals who, you know, they, they have a kid and then one of them decides that, Hey, it's just cheaper for me to stay at home and raise two kids than it is to that. So there are legitimate reasons why people would leave the workforce on a permanent basis. Um, the challenge is, is yeah, when you have chronic, um, unemployment or chronic, you know, large scale issues or people, um, no longer do that. We basically, that number, um, that we put out, yeah, it's, 
you hit what's called search fatigue and it's assuming that they're no longer looking. I gotcha. Okay. Um, let's take a, a, a minor, uh, tangent here and kind of go off into the weeds of, uh, what if, what if, uh, <laughs> what if we had uh, universal healthcare, uh, paid for by the government? This is always something, an idea I've wanted to explore in terms of if a, if a government or if a nation moved to that, how many individuals have a job just for that notion, just for that idea? And then so, if, once they had that, they walked away and now unemployment rises or it, it wouldn't rise. I guess oh, unemployment you, will rise. Absolutely. If we yeah. Do that well, I mean, tomorrow. it would rise but in the then, short term. Yeah. But you, yeah. But then you address it again as well. They're no longer looking for a job. Yeah, Right. They're not I don't know. What are your thoughts so, on that? Are you, so, I mean, but, I, I recently got into it. I went to a, you know, uh, I was looking for a new primary care after I moved and I go to this appointment, you know, long story short, I get this egregious bill um, for, you know, a 10 minute basic discussion with a doctor that got categorized as something um, that I'll, I'll use the F word fraud. And so, you know, my, I call my insurance company and we're on a high deductible HSA plan and I'm like, Hey, oh, I yeah, you were tweeting about right. this. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I don't think this is right. This is not like the code. My wife's a doctor. She says that like, she can only bill that if she like works on something for two hours, like not a 10 minute conversation about some stomach pain. And, uh, my insurance company, like they, so then they're like, okay, well, I'll have our people who argue with their billing people in the doctor's office. They don't even do the billing in house. They have an outside company, and then they argue with my insurance. And we have this entire industry of people whose job it is just to argue with each other and try to screw each other over with billing. Um, to where you know, it's it's not uncommon for you to have a doctor's office with you know a couple ner- you know nurse practitioner to you know, one or two doctors. And then there's like 15 billing people or something here whose job is to argue with each other and try to not pay. And like, I mean, just think about it from this perspective. If you do a normal good or service, you know, working as a VAR or something or as a Dell, you know, you buy a server from Dell, they're going to send you a quote and you know what the price is and all that. With medicine, like I'll get bills nine months later. I'm like, what, what was this even for? Yeah. And so, yeah, um, there are, there's a lot of money to be made, um, in people whose job it is to provide no value other than just delaying, slowing, and arguing over billing. So yeah, there would be a massive amount of unemployment uh, tomorrow if you just if you went to a system um, in theory to that. Now, the flip side of that is there are regulatory and cost control oversights. So you look at like the British system and stuff like that. There are people whose job is to make sure that like that's... And, and you would get bureaucrats. So they would get rehired. They would become government bureaucrats and they would argue internally over whether we're being wasteful or whether someone's saying they did too many procedures. So um, I'm not sure you would necessarily long-term end up with fewer people in the system. It's just they would have to become government employees and um, in regards to that. But um, I mean, one thing to note is the U.S. health system, the majority of, of spend is actually uh, federal money. So between Medicare, Medicaid, CHIPS, um, uh, the um, reimbursements for the exchanges and the VA system, which is 100 percent fully federally you know, run for the most part. Um, yeah, you, you have the majority of healthcare spend is already federal and the compliance, I guess, and the billing and all of that is effectively done through the regulations and guidelines they set. And actually a lot of our insurance companies actually kind of work back from would the Fed pay for this or not. So um, we're a much more federal system than people realize. Not trying to make a pejorative well, good or bad. pretty statement. reliable for paying their bills, right? 
you know, yeah, no, they actually long, do pay on time. I've been told it can be a long process sometimes too. I, I, I didn't realize that they were paying on time, and that's actually really interesting. Well, uh, Med- Medicare is better now. There are certain things like you get any infection in a hospital, any uh, hospital acquired infection. Yeah, we're going to blame that on your infection control. We're not paying you for anything. This is all on you. So they're they're actually you know there's areas where they're kind of gangsters in that regard. Um, there's some discussions of whether they they negotiate properly for drug prices, which is its own tangent. Um, but you, no, you know uh, how many people- no Medicaid is run by the states, and Medicaid is an mm-hmm. absolute. You know, I understand. I had a family member dealing with the paperwork. Uh, gong show of of poor governance, <laughs> depending on what state you're in. Um, the state of New Jersey, I will call you guys out. Apparently, uh, still uses fax machines aggressively for sign up. So, um, yeah. So, Yikes. So, so, I mean, it, but think about, in theory, as technology evolves, you know, bringing this back down here, landing this airplane, as technology evolves, a lot of these roles and a lot of these oversights and a lot of this stuff um, should be simplified. It should be streamlined. It shouldn't, you know, is that going to come from a government system? Is that going to come from a private sector? I, I don't know, man. I, yeah. I, I give up. But anyways, that's John's rant on healthcare. So last little uh, fact on on uh, insurance companies that blew my mind when I figured that out uh, or, or researched it or whatever, looked it up, figured it out. There's nothing to figure out. You just Google it. Uh, 2.8 million people employed by uh, by the insurance industry in 2019, just in the U.S. I was going to ask that. Just well, what does that blew my mind. like? Right? So that's, that's only half of it. Again, you, because for every person who's sitting there in the insurance arguing with the doctor's office, there's someone in the doctor's office or hospital system arguing. Arguing on the other side. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's probably, true. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, but yeah, it's if a, you just go look up any of the large major insurance providers, their employee count is like 250, 350,000 people. Right, Dell is one hundred and twenty thousand. <laughs> yeah, VMware's and they're just arguing 000. insurance. It's it's insane. Well, it's and, insane. and and to be fair, it costs a lot of money to do that arguing. So if you look at the profit margins on these guys, yeah. like I was looking at United, who you know is my current provider, I think it's like six percent, seven percent profit margin. Like it's not a very lucrative business. Like from an yeah. investment side, I look at this, I'm like. Well, I mean, I guess it's kind of like the oil. I always say about the oil gas super majors, like there's a lot of money to be made, you know, of making 3% at a trillion dollars, I guess. But exactly. Um, it's all about, yeah, not an ex- that's the Amazon <laughs> it's, way. That's it's Amazon kind of the way. opposite of the mark. Those of us in software with our, you know, ridiculous 60% margins, like look at this and are like, Bleh. but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. The, the, one thing I will leave though, some financial advice for those of you looking at insurance. It's much more exciting. If you have an HSA, max it out. Save your receipts and then do not take disbursement. Let that money sit there and make sure your HSA is invested. It will not do this by default. So find the paperwork, put that thing in some mutual funds. It's usually pretty straightforward. And enjoy that sweet, sweet triple tax dodge. Yes. And and that's something a lot of people don't realize. One, triple tax. So no tax in. It's a write-off on the way in because it's it's pre-tax dollars, right? The gains are tax-free. Take it out tax-free. But, Assuming you have a receipt, but you can sit on that receipt well, for twenty years. Well, see, but that's the thing is that most most assumptions are that medical costs are going to do nothing but go up, right? So you got that going, uh, quote unquote, for you when it comes to the HSA. I guess that's positive because you'll have something to spend that uh, oh, yeah. money on that is a medical expense. But then the other one is, um, as it stands right now, indefinitely, if you keep the receipts, you can cash that out and re- reimburse it whenever you want. So if you keep track of your expenses today, then the day you retire, you could actually just go reimburse all of those receipts, which is why John's saying keep your receipts. You can reimburse them that day tax-free. It's just boom, lump sum. Um, 
So I completely prescribe to that same methodology. Uh, I like that that awful pun there. I caught that. Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) All right. Well, there you have it. Boom. (laughs) Or excuse me. Value added. Uh, so now we can kind of shift back off the of healthcare and go back to tech finance. Thank you for that little rabbit trail uh, as I was thinking about it. And again, I'm not <laughs> yeah, trying to promote that. I'm just, uh, you know, when thinking about job reports and all that, I, I was always curious about how that might play out. So, no, nah, that's a good call. Uh, before we go full bore um, tech, too, I saw an interesting article this morning about the uh, Chinese market and uh, China, so state run media. There's a lot of. Um, I guess they were criticized the last time there was a major crash, you know, people left holding bags, losing money in the market um, for sort of allowing the market to just go unabated through this crazy hype. Um, And I think I imagine some of that is related to they sort of control the media. So they're controlling that message. They're allowing it to get too excited. And then they, I think they also sort of pride themselves on being able to manipulate. Maybe that's a strong word, but um, they are apparently, uh, using some of the very large state funds to pull out of the market to try to slow down and sort of abate a a bubble, if you will, which um, I I don't know how often that happens. And John, maybe you do, but it sounded like kind of normal China market stuff, but then also, whoa, we're pumping the brakes because it's a little too bullish. The Chinese economy is an interesting one, and I am by no means a China expert, but I'll, I'll take a stab at it. So one thing to note is the Chinese stock market is not, unlike the U.S., where the majority of you know the economic activity is in companies that are publicly traded, um, that is not true in China. So while they do have a stock market, um, it is a, a subset of the economy in less than 50%. There are large private uh, state-owned entities and other things that you know drive, or just large private companies. Um, so from that perspective there, so yeah, there's been some, and and this is a challenge anywhere you have, you know, when you set rates to zero or you set, you, you make money too cheap, people start doing stupid stuff with it. And I understand, I believe they, they distribute a lot of money through, uh, regional banks. And so the, the challenge is, is if the, those regional banks, the Texas ratio starts getting ugly, you know, the, the amount of bad debt to good debt ratio starts getting bad you basically start to say, okay, from a monetary policy supply, we're going to stop giving you cheap money. We're going to start requiring some, uh, and these are things like the Fed does to our banks here in the U.S. of, hey, we want to see certain amount of uh, stress tests or things applied. Mm-hmm. Um, although lately we've kind of gone the other way and said like, um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of companies with junk bond status, but the the you know the wirehouses or banks we'd be like, hey, we don't want you guys holding normally too much questionable debt. Now we're like, hey, we just want you guys to hold some assets and not hold dollars. So we've kind of gone the other way. But um, yeah, from that perspective, this is this is a normal in-ebb cycle, pr- particularly in a much more government command-driven economy of saying, hey, we're going to pull capital out. We're going to make you guys make sure you're solvent because we don't have to do bailouts um, of those right. banks. Um, that said, I mean, it's a much more opaque market. Um, there's currently discussions in the House and Senate at a political level of um because there are some chinese companies who do cross list uh, or they they go they'll they'll buy a tiny defunct company in the u.s that has a ticker symbol and then they'll ipo or trade that and they'll basically trade on american markets so you know on the new york stock exchange uh, nasdaq so forth um there is some concerns particularly after luke and coffee which was this big scandal uh that money waters and everyone blew up 
um, that the accounting on those normally to be listed in the American markets, the SEC mandates that you know public auditors actually go through your books. Uh, Chinese companies, uh, they're, they'll claim national security and other reasons and block um, outside auditors or the books from being publicly exposed. So there's this weird conundrum of you have companies that are listed on U.S. public markets but are not complying with American you know, SEC regulations and things like that. And so there's, there's some laws in flight right now to um, basically force a delisting of any company that doesn't open its books like it should as a public company. Um, Which I, seems reasonable to me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe. No, it's very, it's, I think it's very much a reasonable. There was a, an, um, Magnolia Pictures had a documentary that was on Netflix called The China Hustle that kind of takes a much more pejorative view of this um, and goes through some particularly high-profile frauds that have happened because of this. But, I mean, this is something to think about. If you're just dumping money into an exchange-traded fund, you're exposing yourself to, normally, you you know, you buy into the American markets. They're, as much as I complain about the SEC and say they're, you know, highly distracted and underfunded, they, they do a better job than most other markets. And you normally get a reasonable exposure to foreign markets just because, you know, third of revenue of American companies come from there. But if you've got these other foreign companies that are sneaking in and not being properly audited and you happen to be picking them up because you buy an ETF, that that's a concern. Like it's, you know, it's impacting even your, your boring boggle, bogglehead traders who just, you know, buy some ETFs and sit on them. <laughs> a funny you cracked me up, dude. He cracks me up. He cracks me up. All right. Uh, so some of the things we've talked about lately, uh, yesterday we covered Coinbase. They're looking to IPO. I think the day before that, we talked about Sony investing $250 million in Epic Games for a whopping 1.4% stake, uh, bringing the total valuation of Fortnite to $1.83 billion, which is Fortnite? insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we've talked about uh, microtransactions tra- on PUBG Mobile uh, eclipsing $3 billion in total revenue. And then I saw this one today. Rivian raises $2.5 billion in aggressive plan to beat Tesla. And uh, Nikola with the first all-electric pickup. Even though I thought Tesla already released one, and Rivian already and has one out now. as well. Oh, no, they've announced, oh, they announced, they announced the Cybertruck. Okay. The Cybertruck, the, the manufacturing yeah, facility is probably going to be built in, uh, down here in Texas in Austin. And so, yeah, they're probably two years out of getting Oh, of I got you. That's what it was. Because Rivian's trying to bring it to market early uh, 21. Yeah. So. Any of that you want to dive into the Coinbase thing or Sony or Rivian? Yeah, or? so we can talk about the we can talk about crypto and you know Dunner Krugerrands or what? Um, <laughs> Who do what do? Dunner Krugerrands. Um, no, so <laughs> Tyler gets I, a joke I, apparently. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The Dunning Kruger effect is one of my very favorites, but I, I won't steal John's thunder. He can get into that one. Yeah, okay. Dunning Kruger is where you you think you're an expert. It's it's this like thing of the less you know, the more at a certain point you think oh. you know everything. Yes, and I know what you're talking like, about. Yeah, it's my opinion of some of the crypto nerds at this point. Um, I didn't realize that was the name not, of it, but yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful uh, little chart that basically and Kruger shows and, the more Kruger you learn, the more you... is a gold coin from mentioned South Africa as a spring brock. They were subject of some embargoes. Anyways, um, oh okay, I got you. That's that's the yeah yeah the double. Anyways, so Coinbase, the crypto is clearly here to stay. 
Um, there's been a lot of uh, crypto exchanges who have been hacked and had all their money walk out or do the insiders just stole it? Who knows what happened at Mt. Grox? Um, these guys appear to actually have been stable and have been here. Um, I've used them for some transactions previously. Um, that said, crypto as like replacing the dollar anytime soon, I think we've all kind of moved on from thinking that's a real thing. Um, you know, <laughs> if, it's, if ever there was an opportunity for that to happen, it would have been the absolute crazy festival that happened in the American market as as of coronavirus times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like w- one thing with crypto, it's it's not a good hedge on anything, is what I have discovered. No, like exactly. it, it falls with the market. It tracks it the market. Yep. Like I, I mean, that's, that's basically what I was saying. Is that if if there was any thought that you know Bitcoin was going to be a better store of value for compared to a gold or something like that, this well, is in like, the market where it happens. And, and I'm not saying it's not better. I'm just saying that that's not where the market moved. Well, and if we look at gold, even like most people don't actually go buy coins and put them in safes. It's a pain in the ass. Um, but like people were buying, you know, JNUG or whatever, buying the mining stocks. The mining stocks all got hammered. Mm-hmm. So like even the traditional like flight to gold that most people make was like completely trashed. So yeah. um, about a year ago, I was looking at like I need some money that's in a reasonable hedge that will not fall with a general market route, and I ended up putting in ultra short bond funds, which you know yield is crap, but it's still better than cash. And uh, I did all right. I sold at the beginning of March and lost 2% on that, which is a great place to be when the market was down 25 or something. Right, but, which is exactly yeah. what bonds are for. It. But it doing a regression analysis and looking at crypto, I'm like, this was not, <laughs> you know, this is... And my joke on all those things to where like, okay, maybe crypt, maybe the dollar will fall at some point, but if the dollar falls and no longer exists or it's worthless, not you know, it. I don't want crypto. Like, is there going to be an internet? Do I want gold? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> That's a good point. But That's a good I can't point. Eat gold. No. At no, a no. That's a good point. point. You want like, land with cattle <laughs> well, and yeah, a water. I mean, clean. Well, but preferably. even land and cattle. Like, okay, the dollar is not there. So, does that mean the title company exists? Is there law enforcement? No, no, no. no, no I need, the cattle's I need not beans for, and bullets. Or selling. It's the <laughs> beans and bullets. The cattle is for eating. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring up the bullets, but yeah, no, you, you just absolutely need, have you to be able to take someone else's land with beans and bullets. Doesn't care. You can, raise a, you can raise an army. So, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't play that game in Texas. Well, I, I have some they've got land with cattle on it. They're, they're probably doing all right in the bullets category too. But so I guess my point here is I have some friends who do finance and I'd always ask them like, well, how do you hedge against, how do you hedge against this? How do you hedge against this? They're like, at a certain point, we just have to maintain a certain level of exuberance and, and like, the, the you know when the hedge costs 90% you eventually become that guy who spent half a million on a bunker and it's like do you really want to live in a world where you live in a bunker like right you know, uh really it's a bit more bit on your hedges want. so okay coinbase uh the other one's the sony buying video game this makes complete sense the video game industry is larger than the movie industry already That's and huge. it's obviously with you know whoa COVID, yes i never thought about that say that again the, the, the video the game industry is a lot larger than the movie industry yeah. Um, like, don't get me wrong, movies aren't going anywhere. But the other challenge with movies is all the theater chains are going bankrupt. Yeah, uh, I was talking to one. I was talking to a friend who holds some of the bonds for uh, I think it was AMC or something, and they're going bankrupt. And they're already looking at it like, okay, even if we take equity, it's still going to go bankrupt again. Um, it's you know, movie theaters were already kind of having to pivot from these uncomfortable seats and being the only way to watch first run movies to okay, we're going to more premium experiences, we're going to big comfy chairs, fewer people per theater. I mean, there's fundamentally probably fewer people going and watching movies than before. It's just you know, a higher dollar, and they, they're they adding higher food, they're selling wine, stuff like that. 
one thing that I think might happen is um, from a tech purchase is I think you might see Netflix or Amazon respectively buying one of the movie theater chains because right now um, when they run a first run movie that Netflix does original or Amazon studios does, th- they can't go for an Oscar. They, they basically get snubbed for awards if the movie did not run first in theaters. Are you serious? And I didn't know that. That's really interesting. And I also did. Not and if, but if they buy a thousand screens, then they can do whatever they, they want. can't get snubbed. Night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they can Spielberg can argue all he wants about well it's got to be on the silver screen first it will they can do whatever they want they can do they have rules about there. how many silver screens it has to be on uh, you <laughs> know, you just actually own one theater and you're good check well I think I think Netflix did something where they did like do a limited run on like two theaters for a movie to try to get around it but some of it's just the voting like there's a general yeah, snobbery exactly and so. It's- if they you're not can, actually following some book. It's the the entire industry. Of well, this goes back to where the movie industry was oh, fighting the tech oh. industry and trying to fight MP3 or online streaming or any like any evolution. I remember looking back at the day, beginning of, like, of DRM. Well, but if you Ugh. looked at it back then, even like the tech industry, if you looked at the free cash that Google and Apple had sitting around, they could have bought all five studios and like it been a rounding error. And I was like, why don't they? Just, they're having such a fight with these guys. Why don't they just buy them out? I mean, I guess you know run into monopoly issues at a certain point but um the entertainment industry is actually i mean you the gaming is entertainment i mean it is and so we can argue about whether esports is real sports all day but um gaming russ cover your ears russ cover your ears (laughs) (laughs) uh well hey before we before we move into that let's dive a little bit deeper on netflix uh they have uh earnings report in six days uh july 16th I am looking at um, their past. Let, let's see. You know, you can go. Just today, they're up six percent. Look out five days; they're trending up. One month, six months, year to date. Uh, one year there was a small dip in you know late uh, 2019, but uh, net profit margin year over year is up 61 percent on their uh, their last quarterly financials back in March. Uh, bye, so, bye, bye, so, bye. Yes, I was going to take Here is why. <laughs> here is why. <laughs> okay. Quibi, Quibi and Peacock, and probably half the listeners are saying, what the hell are those things? Yes, yeah. So, I wanted to talk about that, too. So the here's the thing is that, and actually CBS All Access, the concern was, is Netflix back in the day did not own any intellectual property. They had no, they didn't have any real movies and any shows. Well, they started getting into it and they released some pretty darn good content and something yeah. about tigers. I understand everyone's watched but me. But the concern was, though, is that, <laughs> okay, are people going to keep paying their Netflix <laughs> subscription when Disney and these other weights come in and, and CBS and just, and that no one, the concern was, is no one's going to, and this was always the game plan of the studios is, well, if Netflix gets too big, we can all just stop licensing our content to, to them and they'll die. And we'll go do our Oops. own thing and we'll take our ball and go home. The challenge is, is once there's enough money from from Netflix to these guys, you know, you're getting a billion dollars, you're NBC to get all these shows, you know, licensed on a multi-year deal. You now have to lose that revenue screen, which you have to answer to the market for it. And then you try to create your own platform. And if that platform is not successful, which don't get me wrong, I love the Star Trek stuff on CBS All Access, but the subscriber numbers are, are trash. Quibi was this multi-billion dollar gambit 
Um, and a lesson on what happens when we give Meg Whitman money again. I don't know who thought that was a smart idea. Um, <laughs> Dang. Fired. Her last foray. Shots it, fired. I will, Shots I will fired. shoot, I will shoot some shade here. I don't know any ex, I don't know anyone from HP who liked anything that she did. Uh, she destroyed Palm in 18 months. She bought Palm. Like that was a $3 billion write down. And the big go to market was a new phone with a mirror on the back. Like, <laughs> dang that sounds awesome the marketing for it was it's small basically the big marketing push was there's a mirror on the back and look how small it is it'll fit in a woman's hand it was the woman's smartphone like i can't think of anything more patronizing and awful so um, all right let's rip you back into quibi uh here's a fun (laughs) they came out yesterday yeah Yeah, quibi is a so Quibi, they they had a free trial for I think thirty or ninety days. Ninety yeah. percent of those users are not maintaining their yep. free, their subscription past the free That's period. That's what I was gonna say. The whole yep. the whole gambit of Quibi was like five to ten minute episodes, and the idea being the episodes are so short they don't they don't fall under union rules, so you don't have to like pay people like normal union salaries you would for like real TV production. Yeah. Um was basically the loophole they were trying to use. They were shoveling money at everyone and saying, look, there's going to be this new content format, shows that are based around seven or ten minute, because uh, everyone apparently has ADD and can't watch you know, a, a proper long-form show anymore. That's true. Uh, no, I think Netflix has disproved that. You, I mean, look at, look <laughs> they at any binge of those. watch yes. entire yeah. TV series. Dude, I, I cannot wait for Stranger series. Things. Well, I can't yeah. wait for Stranger Things 4, and I'm going to watch all like nine episodes in one weekend. Quibi's <laughs> argument, Quibi's argument was that, well, look, the show, the show is so short that while you're like stuck in line at the DMV, you can watch an episode. And so no, that's the, YouTube. Argument is, that's YouTube. Yeah, no, that's YouTube. That's you know, cat memes on Reddit. Mm, um, there's so many other things, or whatever cow clicker stupid game you're playing. You know, pay to win. Uh, game you're playing on your phone like there are a million other apparently things you can PUBG do with mobile is what billions. It is. three billion <laughs> um and but yeah dude, so it was funny me. yes dude same how in the world everyone how in the world the kids like, spending their parents money which is yeah, what Fortnite, i'm saying mobile? is happening no thanks yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i don't care if you're uh, offended <laughs> we're, we're we're yeah. So, Quibi's, so Qu- getting back to Netflix, Quibi's failure, yeah. CBS All Access's inability to get, get subscribers, Peacock is apparently coming out from NBC. I am absolutely certain it will get no one. Um, AT&T is taking HBO Go in a questionable direction of making it about multitude of content versus quality of content. There's been a lot of disputes with their top directors. Um, well, wait, let's there, pause there real quick reached- on HBO. Let's pause there real quick yeah. on HBO because... Um, and I don't know if these jokes have been made before, but I cannot even, I'm not an HBO person, I, but I can't even figure out what their offering is. I hear HBO go. I hear, um, uh, max. I hear, uh, HBO. They have been desperately trying to stay relevant for a while. Mo- mobile or what? I, I don't know. There's like 18 different versions of it. I don't even know what their product is. It's, it's basically the legacy HBO content streaming, but they've also licensed some things. Um, the name, yeah. the name of it. Like, which which one is what they sell? Oh, so HBO Go was the one that they threw in if you already were a cable customer. HBO Now, which probably... Now, that's the other one. ...was the one yeah. where you just paid $10 for, which is what I previously had. And then you've got the new HBO... Um, 
Blue. Just kidding. I don't know what it's called. Max. Yeah. Max. Max is the new one where they're extending the additional content. That Does it have a mirror on the back? Warner Brothers. <laughs> Will it fit in my purse? Merce. Sorry. Oh God. No. So. Well, they do have Sesame Street. They do the newest season of Sesame Street can only be watched on HBO. By the way, okay. interesting. But I, I feel like that is, it, man. This is I, I get all fiery when I just think about how the I, I mean I call it old guard in media works in the first place. But they, these single right shows, it's I don't know. I just I it's a grievance to me because it's starting to feel like all of the streaming services are amongst themselves the channels with all the content no one wanted in cable for the last 30 years. And and then to make that worse, the bigger ones that are successful are becoming more and more like that same model that sucked in the first place. So how do we unbreak how people think you make money on content slash, I guess, how they do? So, well, maybe so what, one thing is, is, I mean, I, I've... <laughs> People have reached a fatigue on how many streaming services they want to pay for. Most people I talk to during COVID, particularly who have any financial concerns or there's maybe possibly a loss or of revenue uh, of income due to cutbacks or a job loss in the family, uh, they're cutting back on some of their streaming. I don't know anyone who's like, I want to sign up for three more streaming services right now. Yeah. That so, was my point with YouTube TV. They, they went up 15 bucks a month and everyone's like, well, look, I could just go get these five. And it's going to give me everything, oh, and it'll gosh, be $7 that? less. People See, I didn't have any of those conversations with people. Google they just was, said, why stick Google with was advertising it? Yeah, well, of course. I mean, content costs money but, is the problem. And, and Sure. Yeah. But, I mean, what does cable have right now? It doesn't have sports, which was the last main thing they had. And basically, as far as I can tell, I was recently you know, looking at cable when I was at my parents' while back. Um, you have reality television. So, like, if you want to watch Storage wow. Wars and, like, Deadliest Catch and... Um, you know, all of that various, uh, the real housewives of, I don't know, Rock Springs or something. Um, all of these like terrible programming, then yeah, you, you've got that. But if anything, actually, like I've kind of reached a streaming fatigue where at one, I'm not signing up for anything new. Two, I'm yeah. kind of watching through what I have. And three, I just watch less TV. I, I you yeah. know, I'm like, you, you bring up a really strong point there. I'm going to go play video games or, yeah, you bring up a strong point because the only reason I did YouTube TV was for sports. And now they're about to shut down college football for the fall. Uh, maybe I maybe I unsubscribe, but now I've got the the fact that it allowed me to share with five different family members, and so I am there. I mean, I guess I could just cut it off, but uh, I am there. Uh, their avenue. You know but, what, though, anyway. I, like I I get it. And when it comes to the sharing side of things, like being able to share those subscriptions, I, I don't think you can argue with the the dollar value benefit of that system. But I also don't think as they grow and they continue to increase their prices that that is sustainable. I think what's going to happen is they're going to say, okay, great, we're not doing that anymore. So if your family wants to continue to watch the content that they're now yeah, once they once they on can't YouTube find TV, new subscribers, they're going to cut get, it down. We get one yeah. of the four you were sharing it with it freely, and we're good with that. And, and so you, it, like, it's a good argument today, and it's not going to stay that way. And, and I think their price increases over time is, is basically proof of that. Like They're willing to lose some subscribers because they have the equation and it's going to work itself out. But it's the exact same thing that gave us so much grief with cable providers. It's, it, it's no different, and I guess I just wanted it to be better. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's bring this back into um, some earnings reports. 
upcoming also later in July, we've got IBM on July 20th. Uh, do, you, do you have any comments on that before I keep going down the list? So IBM, um, IBM, it's hard to wrap my head around from an earnings perspective, like what's going on with them. Just remember, there's a lot of weird seasonality with them uh, tied to both government contracts as well as whenever a new mainframe comes out, um, a new one comes out, you know, there's this giant spike in revenue. Um, the other thing with IBM is much like trying to analyze Dell's stock, um, their debt load, which is pretty high, particularly after the Red Hat acquisition, um, is confusing to read because it includes all of the financial services uh, that they do. Most mainframes are actually on a subscription, basically, or on a lease through their, IBM's financial wing. And that debt gets passed on to other debt vehicles. So even though the debt pile may look really large, a lot of that's, yeah, it's a nothing burger. It's a pass-through. Um, yeah. I'm not going to take a guess at where IBM is on revenue. Although, I mean, they've had a very long list of declines um, for a very long time. Although the the new CEO, I'm, I, I think he's pretty pretty sharp so we'll, we'll see where they go but um yeah it's, it's hard for me to emotionally get to have have like a gut reaction as to where ibm's going just because there's so many moving pieces there's the legacy mainframe business there's cloud there's uh red hat obviously and its various initiatives um it's just it's a, it's a monolith yeah yeah they've been sort of on a steady decline for the past five years so all right moving on uh earnings for Microsoft, July 22nd, you can pick that one up, or July 23rd, uh, you've got Intel, which we had some interesting news on yesterday with the fact that NVIDIA has overtaken Intel in valuation, despite the fact that NVIDIA Look at the revenue is at yeah, four, <laughs> it's it's 14 time. billion versus 73 billion. Uh, and then you also have Twitter on July 23rd. Do you want to comment on any of those, Microsoft, Intel, or Twitter? Uh, so real quick, Twitter is supposedly going to have some type of subscription thing coming out. I don't know what you'll be subscribing what? to. But what? there's I, what? I don't know if you'll subscribe to people. This is like OnlyFans, <laughs> but for, for shit tweets. Uh, you know. uh, I, I, I don't know what this will be, but there's apparently some new revenue stream coming. So there's probably there's some buzz around that. Um, I mean, realistically, Jack, what the hell do your PMs do all day? Because outside of doubling the length of a tweet, I don't know what's changed on this platform in 10 years. <laughs> Like they took away my star. They didn't took they just away add audio. I thought I people ref- could. I refuse. I refuse to invest in Twitter entirely because you have Jack, a part-time CEO who has another company that's five times the size. So I mean, yeah. it's like when the CEO's involvement is. I'm the CEO of two companies, one of which is actually growing and making real money, and then the other is the place where the president, you know says what's on his mind that moment um wow that was, it's that really, was amazing like <laughs> pc if yeah. you just say it that way <laughs> but no it's uh it no it's on his mind. yeah no it's like this is it's it's it's, it's i think it, frankly jack's like annoyed that he owns it but he's like well i don't want to let anyone else have it and I, i'm gonna keep working yeah. on what is it square or whatever his other company is but uh so that's that's twitter uh microsoft i think Microsoft has been doing exceptionally well on their pivot to cloud. Um, they've, you know, they've got loyal customers, they've got developers, they're continuing to execute. Um, I mean, the, you know, the, the, in the post PC era, whatever that tweet was, Michael Dell had a while back of like, we're in the post post PC. Everyone's been buying new laptops. There's a lot of yeah. windows out there. Um, they've, they're, you know, pivoting to arm and mobile devices. They've done a great job of maintaining the office monopoly. Um, I still think team, team 
stop trying to make it happen with teams. Just give it up, please. You know, this is like, <laughs> did you see the new ones where they can, you can put everyone like in the same coffee shop background and you can like turn and look and point at each other and stuff. That's the latest update you know, on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? What was the, what was the other one? We had IBM, we had Twitter, we had Microsoft. Was that it or was, am I missing one? Uh, yeah, no, no, it was uh, Microsoft, Intel, and Twitter were those other oh, three. Intel, the Intel, yeah, the so Intel the Intel Nvidia one's interesting. So the market is basically pricing ten years of AI ML growth for Nvidia, yeah. uh, which may be fair, but it's like this gets back to current equity pricing and the weirdness of zero percent interest. You know, um, the 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 FOMO is real on investing. The flip side is, is it's like, is the decline going to happen? You know, there tends to be a viewpoint right now that Intel is going to go into some type of secular decline and that the era of the, um, you know, x86, you know, and, and Intel being the only real option and it is over. Um, that said, I mean, look at mainframes. There's going to be libraries that no one bothers to port to ARM. There's going to be stuff that dra- drags on forever. Um, I think a lot of the ARM consumption is still going to be for quite a while in you know proprietary devices cell phones um the server consumption a lot of it's going to be paths so it won't be people actually consuming and writing anything or installing all arm linux it'll be you know i'm consuming some type of function as a service thing or some type of you know nginx instance that just happens to run on arm but i'm not writing any code there yeah Um, i think arm growth is strong and bullish but i don't think that means that you know to write off until tomorrow um, Intel's also diversified into storage and a memory channel and an interconnects. Um, and they're I growing. Mean, they are growing. Yeah. Just, I mean, they're growing two and a half percent off of 75 billion, you know? Yeah. It's so it's, I, yeah. I think the death of Intel has been vastly over communicated. Um, but I mean, I, I think that they do have real competition and it from NVIDIA, from, um, from all, the arm ecosystem as well as AMD, AMD's, uh, you know they're they're on, but AMD's aspirational goal is to get to like ten percent market share in a little bit here in the right. server space. Yeah. There's a lot of market share, and there's still a lot of growth in the field. Uh, cl- clouds are not slowing down their growth. I mean, part of the reason I think Intel kind of had some hiccups was they failed to deliver on some of the orders. I understand at large scale, like they were actually some of the some of the reason for the look at ARM and other coprocessors has actually been Intel's inability to scale their foundries. So when you're one of your biggest problems and your customer frustrations comes from you not being able to ship enough units, um, I'll take that problem any day. So sure. Okay, we have three minutes left in the call here. Uh, maybe maybe let's do a choose your adventure here. I'll give you two more topics and you can pick one or tackle both in half the time. Uh, but on July 27th, there'll be the House Judiciary and oh my goodness, I cannot talk Judiciary Antitrust Subcommittee hearing with the CEOs of Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. It's going to be in D.C. on July 27th. Or take that adventure, or maybe talk about the now virtual VMworld, September 28th to October 2nd. Or tackle them both. Or say, I'll do I'm both. out, guys. So VMworld, um, by the way, come to my sessions. I'll be covering file Always. services um, and IOPath Deep Dive, what's new. Um, the antitrust stuff... Um, I think Apple's probably in a better position than most. Um, Amazon's getting whacked for pushing house brand and looking at that. Every grocery chain in America does the same thing. Walmart looks at how much butter gets sold and then comes out with their own house butter brand. Um, Walmart is also 10 times or five times the revenue of Amazon. What they're going after them on Amazon, I find absolutely atrocious and nonsense. Um, 
the other ones, Google, Google's a weird one. I would agree that they're probably guilty is what Mark, Mark Cuban has described as precog antitrust. They see a company that might compete with something they do in eight years and just go ahead and buy it and then kill it. That's why there's this massive graveyard of Google products. Um, is frankly, it wasn't about them actually wa- ever wanting to do anything. It's saying, yeah. uh oh, the AIML, you know, nano computer that we have has decided that this company will pose a threat in 2045. So, uh, let's write them a check for a billion dollars and just shut this down. Some of the some of the acquisitions that Google did, like the Open Maps database, I don't know who the hell was asleep at the Justice Department that allowed that to happen. Um, I think Google's the one who will get whacked more than anyone, frankly. Um, and I think they're the most vulnerable because their only real revenue is search. Like everything else is a routing error. Like yeah. they are this massive yeah. holding company with a bazillion things. Um, but also it's their own worst enemy because the stockholders are when you have margins that are as, as ridiculous as search, you know, 90% or something, everything else you do dilutes your value. So yeah. I think Google would probably... That reminds me of, uh, yeah. of uh, the character, basically the whole scenario you just described is the character Big Head in Silicon Valley when Huli pays him like 650K a year just to just to stay on. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. funny. No, no, no. I mean, Don't these are... Somewhere else. By the way, I can't yeah. watch that show. I, I've tried watching. I got another two episodes again. I'm like... I know all of these people. I've worked with that guy. I know that guy. (laughs) He works over at that company. I know all of these idiots. Like, I don't know. No, this is too real. Like, it's too real. It's like if you've worked in a really dysfunctional office full of, you know, for a horrible boss. Like, the office is painful to watch, frankly. Um, It's like, I I worked under that guy. Like, it was was horrible. It wasn't funny. Like, there was no camera for me to turn and make a crack a joke at. Like, but, um, yeah. All right, end it there, man. Tyler, shut it down. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, John, thank you for joining us. As always, this is tons of fun. We will definitely be doing this again. Uh, maybe we won't wait as long until next time. But that brings another Tech Breakfast to a close, y'all. We're glad you joined us. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And as always, if you got news we missed, general feedback, you'd like to join us on the show, let us know. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week.